the Evolve to Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Simon Jeffries, a former Special Forces soldier who co-founded The Natural Edge, an online academy providing a simple blueprint for exceptional health and fitness. It also covers coaching for teams and individuals and creates bespoke experiences to learn skills, reset the mind and reboot the body. After leaving a successful career in the military in his mid-30s, Simon started work at a management consultancy in London, but soon quit and took the leap to start his own business. However, when that business folded, Simon had to move back home with his parents. This was when he started working on what would become the natural edge. His is a story of determination, resilience, adaptability, and an ability to recognize and hone in on one's talents in order to excel. The first element of the podcast talks about Simon's story before he goes on to give some great hints and tips about fitness, nutrition, and all things to do with the mind and body. And amongst other things in the podcast, Simon talks about the importance of sleep and how it's something we're prone to neglect. Sleep is the biggest performance enhancer that we have access to. It's, you know, it's absolutely bonkers. It's so, so critical and it really forms the bedrock of, of everything else. Reveals how keeping a simple journal can establish and strengthen a healthy mindset. I think mindset is one of those things where it's, it's almost harder than the physical side because you have to, people don't often like going inside themselves and asking questions because they often don't like the answers and compares the stresses of his time in the military to running his own business. That's been really challenging with the business side is there is no guarantee, there is no known. It's not like do six months and if you know, you've know you put all your effort in, then it's definitely going to work. It doesn't happen like that. Please don't forget to go to EvolveMembers.com for more insightful content and details about our events, webinars, coaching and peer groups. But for now, let's get on with the show. Simon, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me on. No, it's great to have you on. I'm really interested, Simon, to hear from you about your experiences in the Special Forces and how that helped transcend you into business, but also your philosophies on mindset, personal health, well-being that has led you to form The Natural Edge and to hear what our listeners can take away from your own experiences uh, both as a business leader, but also as a specialist in, in those areas. So, Simon, for our listeners, do you want to give us a brief outline about your background and also what the Natural Edge is all about? Yeah, sure. I will. So, yeah, I'll give you an overview and then we can dig into whichever parts you like. So Perfect. I guess I'll start at the beginning of my military career. That's probably the most pertinent point up until then. It was fairly standard education, university. And then I joined the Royal Marines in 2008. I served a year in I guess what you'd call a regular commando unit. And then I opted to 
try out for a specialist branch still within the Royal Marines doing tactical signaling for special forces. So that involves a six month selection course. And at the end of it, you're attached to a special forces unit. So traditionally Royal Marines go and work with the SBS, which is what I did. And so I did that course and was successful and passed it. I then spent the next couple of years working in that job, did my first tour of Afghan. And it was at that point I decided to try out for special forces. And so did full selection for that and then spent the rest of my career in the special boat service. Was that based down in Poole here, was it? Down yes, based yeah, down here? yeah, exactly. Okay. So I spent most, to be honest, I spent most of my career down in Poole, which is great in the sense that I was based in, in one place, even though you spend a lot of time away. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine you spend hardly any time on base. Yeah, it's funny, the, the guys that you pass selection with, some of them you won't see once you've actually finished the course, you don't see again for a couple of years, even though in reality it's a fairly small base, but it's it's like ships passing in the night. There's You're so busy, um, various deployments or training things that, yeah, you can go a long time without seeing guys. So basically, yeah, so I, I did that, passed that, and I loved the job. It, it's funny, I always knew that the military was what I wanted to do from a very young age. But on the flip side of that, I also knew, and I'm not sure why I had this in my head, but that I wasn't ever going to do the full time. And I decided to leave in 2015, partly because I felt like I had checked off everything that I wanted to do. And partly because I wanted to leave when I was still, while I was still young enough to do something else, I felt like there was another challenge or something that I wanted to do, even though... At that point, I wasn't sure exactly what it was. So I sort of took the jump without knowing where I was going to end up. Okay. So that's quite an interesting thing in itself, isn't it? Because most people in life sort of plan ahead and, you know, they may make a significant move in their life, by their own career or personally, but they usually know where they're going to jump to. And you had nowhere to jump to at that time? No. I mean, it's funny. Up until... It's almost I had the point, so a lot of friends and, and people I knew, you go through school and you're not, you know, a lot of people aren't really sure where their career is going to go or what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, I knew oh, I've got a picture somewhere that I need to dig out from when I was at primary school and the, everyone had to write down the date and what it was that you wanted to do when you grew up. And I've okay. got one that says, when I leave school, I want to be a Royal Marine. And to be honest, that made life really easy because there was no, you could almost just sit back and enjoy life as it came because I knew that come the end of education, that's what I was going to do. There was no question. There was no kind of airing or looking at other things. That was my path and I knew that was where I was going to end up. So when it came to the point of leaving the military, I almost had, I had that time that other people had had before. And I guess, you know, some people have throughout their lives of, I'm not really sure what it is that I want to do, but I knew that I I wanted to change. I think because it had been a massive life goal, kind of my only sort of driving ambition was to pass a selection for special forces. Once that had happened and I'd done that, 
I was, it's almost immediately, I, I probably had a few months after passing selection of really kind of enjoying that. And like I said, I did enjoy the job, but I, it wasn't long after. So I started to get that itch again of, okay, what's the next big challenge? And that's one of the reasons that I left. Okay. But there's a, there's a kind of mentality set around that, isn't it? A lot of people in business, business leaders have that same mentality, isn't it? It's where's the next challenge? Where's the next hurdle? What, what am I going to do now? What am I going to overcome? And sometimes you just got to stop and reflect and enjoy the moment. And, and I think some of us in life and me included, don't do that often enough. We don't look over the, our shoulders or enjoy the moment. We're kind of looking for the next challenge, aren't we? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I actually think what on reflection or what I've come to realize and it's probably the most important thing is although the event is great it's for me it's the process that is if you don't enjoy the process of what you're doing I'd say you probably have to question the path that you're on so it was almost for me it was equally enjoyable which sounds ironic being how arduous the process is for the military and special forces enjoyed the process of undertaking that challenge to get there as much as passing and doing that job and i've found right. the same thing with this if it was easy then to me there's no you know it's like most things in life we we get most gratitude when we've done something that's challenged us when life is easy you know it can quickly become you become complacent or it can become a bit dull. So I think it's very important, like you said, to, I think, being present and enjoying the moment and when we achieve things. But I think the journey, even though it can be hard and challenging, can be suffering along that way, is if you can enjoy the process or find a way, and that really comes back to doing something that really means a lot to you, then it makes life in general far more enjoyable. And so for me, I'd got to that point, I'd passed selection, I'd done that, and I'd ticked off the things that I wanted to do. And I was looking for that challenge again because of the fulfillment that I get or yeah, I think you get from undertaking something. I would... So where did that leave you then? So you left the military, you know, that's a, that creates a void in itself. Yeah. So where, where did that journey then take you? So it took me to... It kind of coincided, it was almost dictated for me in the fact that my partner at the time got a, she got a job in London. And so I figured, you know, perhaps I could do the, 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 the office type of job, get a job in a consultancy, do the city thing, something completely different, which I did. Wow, that's a contrast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can see where that story might end. But yeah, I'll say exactly that where that, yeah, I'll say exactly where that ended. That ended after about, well, funnily enough, I did stay in that job. I was very lucky in that the um, company I did work for were great. Uh, you know, the, the people there were great and the boss was great. But within, it was either at the end of the first week or the second week, I was like, nope, this is not happening. It's not me. And I was sat on it. I distinctly remember it. I was on a bus going to work and I'd started reading The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Okay. And I was reading that book. And I was like, yep, it's business. Business is the, the next thing. That's what I'm going to do. And it was almost instantly, I'm talking within, you know, after reading that within a day or so, 
this is it. This is the this was what selection was for me. This is the new goal. I didn't know what the business would be, how it would look, but this was the new path for the rest of my life. And and do you think that's about controlling your own destiny and having some control <sighs> of your destiny, or is it about the challenge of setting something up and achieving something? You know, why did that book have such an effect on you, Simon? Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not even necessarily sure whether it was that book. It could, I've, I've read several business books since, and I'm fairly certain it could have been any one of them that was talking about, I guess, entrepreneurial stuff and designing your life. So why? It's you know, it's a really difficult one. You know, it's it's why when I was that young did I become so sure that special for oh, the military was the route that I wanted to take, and why did I become so sure that? you know, business or this path of business is the right path. And it is that that gut instinct as in, uh, I'm sure we will have it in different aspects of life, whether that's with a partner you meet or, you know, it's very small and big things. But when you just intuitively know that something is right, I'm sure there's deeper, deeper psychology yeah. behind it. Um, and it probably is. I mean, for that for business, I'm sure it did play into the fact that, you you know you're basically setting out to become your own boss i think freedom was a big part of it you know the two rules when we started business so which i can go on to i started with my business partner john who i served in the military with and i basically called him when i read that book so i'd been out at that point about a month i just started the job been in that a week or so and john was due to leave and i, I rang him up and said let's start a business. You're going to hate doing any other job as well. Business, you know, we've always talked about interests and stuff we've had. Let's start a business. And so from that point, it, it just, the freedom, sorry, that's where I was going with it. The, the two rules that we said when we started is one, it had to be geographically independent and two, scalable. So we wanted okay. something where we could work wherever, wherever we were in the world. And so I think, that's probably those are two things that probably tied into it. So there's probably okay. definitely factors like you mentioned that played into it. You know, or saying that that there are jobs that you can find that sort of offer travel and the rest of it. But but for me, business struck some kind of inner chord um, that would yeah set me on the path that I'm on now. I guess. Brilliant. And so obviously that led you and John to co-found the Natural Edge. But I understand that you know since you formed the natural edge it hasn't been a straightforward process and like all of us in business there's been some challenges along the way to and some pivots i suppose to get to where you are now so yeah you want to tell the listeners a bit about that background and story yeah there's i mean there's um there's definitely been some pivots we didn't so we didn't actually start off with the natural edge we did the classic thing of brainstorming and you know coming up with all sorts of ideas we had various random i imported lemon juices I sort of branded my own lemon juices from china and sold them on amazon i've still got it downstairs it's actually a very good lemon juicer we did that we the kind of i guess the big one before t and e so john's background before he joined the military was computer science so although he's really rusty he could code and we just got into the we kind of come across trading as in the stuff that you and i could do on a laptop trading on the forex markets you see all the adverts okay. all the time about it 
so we kind of got into that. And as we were doing it, we realized, or we had the idea that it was really hard to track the trades that you were doing and log them automatically. You could get various bits of software, but there was a there was usually a degree of manual input. And so we thought we'll create a piece of software that will man, uh, sorry, automatically log your trade so that you can look back over it and identify trends and where you're going wrong and stuff like that. So we spent about a year, year and a half on that. And that kind of took all of our money, put a lot of time into it. And we hit a point where it was basically, it just, it just wasn't going to work. I think it was probably possible if you had a team of coders to do it. But a it, yeah, just the resources that we had, and I guess what we were willing to put into it, just didn't add up. And so right. that was a that's a long way from a business that you know helps you develop your you know physical you know enhances your physical abilities, your mindset, your nutrition, and where you are now. Yeah. So how do you then <laughs> go from one to other? I think I think if I'm honest, I think when we started that. Well, when we were looking at business ideas in the beginning, I think we were definitely driven more by it's like, what can we build that will make us money, that will make us the most cash? And when that came to an end, and it was, you know, it was a pretty bad day when you've just seen all the savings you basically had since leaving the military. You know, it's the same for both of us. And the amount of time you've put in and you've just basically canned it. With nothing really, I say nothing to show, nothing to show on the outside, but we did learn a lot. And so what happened then was we basically made the decision of, right, you know, let's do something we actually care about that we, that we're interested in and that we spend all of our time talking about or doing, which was health and fitness and health and performance. Yeah. I'd just say one of the things I'm really keen that people do is they, 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 when they start a business, they have focus, passion, and belief, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I've seen it myself when I've, you know, tried different things and got involved in different things and definitely see it with, with some of our clients is they start a business because they want to, they focus on the money and the money never comes. But when they, they then turn to something that they've, they've got focus on, a passion for, and a real belief for, things start to happen. And it, that is exactly the story, Simon, that you're starting to tell now, which was, was the thing that made me smile. Yeah, it's it's completely that. And when we so when we started T and E, I had we had no idea really how it was going to look, what form it was going to take. But you're exactly right. It's like if we're going to put our time and effort into something, let's do something that we really believe in. And funnily enough, you know, it's, it's easy. I think it was Steve Jobs that said that you, you know you can't join up the lines until you look back. But actually, that that time that I spent, so I spent two years working in that office in London. And it was during that time that sort of informed as well, this seeing the growing need for how many people, I guess, are suffering with their health and physical and mental health. You know, in the military, it's a bit of a bubble, especially where I was in special forces. You kind of, it's a very small world and everyone there is, you know, I guess at the top of the, they're performing very highly. Um, physically and on, and on the mental side of things. And then when you kind of start living day-to-day life, you see how much people are struggling with stress, struggling to actually stick to workout programs or eating well. And so when we started The Natural Edge, the idea behind it was to show people basically 
kind of cut through the misinformation and how complex health and fitness has been made out to be through the various, you know, was hit with so much marketing on the the latest diet, you know, quick fixes, juice cleanses, yeah. whatever it is. So we wanted to really take so take it back to basics, simplify it, and show people a better way or, or the path that they can take to to get the results that they want. And so originally we thought maybe it was going to be a podcast and we could bring people on and interview them. And then as, as a kind of a side thing, someone said, oh, why don't you start an Instagram account? And I didn't have Instagram. It's kind of very low social media user anyway. But I started that account and that kind of quickly gained traction. So in the end, we, we, we decided against the podcast and went more down Instagram as a route to, I guess, get our material out there. We started off doing one-on-one health coaching and then as we've progressed, we, we basically realized that's great, but it's not scalable. We can't help as many people. And so that's when we designed and built an online academy, which is basically a platform with courses on sleep, nutrition, and training and mindset. And then as that's, that's kind of gone through a couple of iterations in itself to the point where we are now, where we've got two great coaches on board who deliver a lot of the training and we also run events alongside it so we do some retreats um, we do micro adventures in the uk so i guess another big side of what we believe is sort of getting back to nature and, and the point of the micro adventures is to show people that you don't it's actually it's a toy it's a term coined by a guy named al humphreys who's a british explorer yeah we uh, run a conference and I, we had him speak about three years ago oh, at a conference. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. And as a result, within our businesses, we, we've undertook, uh, except for the year of the COVID, uh, a micro-adventure every year. That's so we, the first one we did was brilliant because we were in Paul, we got Bramsey Island. We all left the office, sort of hiked down to Paul Harbour, got on a boat, went to Bramsey Island, camped overnight on Bramsey Island, which was great from a team building perspective got up had breakfast got back on the boat and came back to the office the next day that's awesome. amazing so th- this concept of micro adventures which Alistair Humphreys talks about it's amazing isn't it Simon? Oh, it's, it just basically simplifies you know we always think that we need to to have an adventure you need to either spend a lot of money or go go abroad to have it when in actual fact we've got so much um, locally and on our doorstep but even in that set, I think, you know, we run these micro adventures and there's so many people that come on them who either don't have the confidence to do it on their own. Because I guess the whole point of what Al teaches is that anyone can just go out and do this. You know, for some people, they're still, it's almost if they do it with people who know what they're doing or have done it before for the first time, they then have the confidence to do it themselves. But I think a bigger part is there's, there's a lot of people that come not just on our micro adventures, but our retreats in general, people generally come as kind of singles rather than as a, as a couple or with friends because so many people have these interests, but not necessarily within their friendship groups as in their friends aren't interested in this stuff. So it's finding a community outside of their normal social circles where they can go and do these type of things. Brilliant. So what are some of the micro adventures you've done then and organized? So we've done the main ones we've done. We haven't, we had some planned for this year, but the ones we've done so far, we've done a few outside of London around the Chilterns. 
and the other ones we've done down in the Brecon Beacons down in Wales and both to, to be honest it's you know it's funny both have got stunning locations it's surprising not far out of London how yeah. nice the um the, the countryside is around there brilliant so one of the things I'm interested to talk to you about through I mean just hearing that story about you know your journey post special forces but from your time in special forces we talk about books one of the books that really influenced me a long long time ago was uh, Ranulph Fiennes's autobiography and reading that I kind of realized that actually uh, you know physically and mentally and from a resilience point of view we're far more capable as human beings than we ever ever imagined that we could be so yeah. I'm interested to learn from you, your opinion, from all of your experiences about that human capacity for resilience and that most people do underestimate themselves. Would you agree with that? Yeah, completely. It's funny that you say that. One of the things that we talk about in that religion a lot is we've all got health built into our DNA. And by that, I mean, you know, as a species, we are very inherently robust and resilient. If we hadn't, we wouldn't have evolved to where we are. And modern life, for all of its, you know, fantastic things that it does for us, it's also, it can have the negative impact in the sense that we've stopped doing some of the things that make us healthy. And once you start concentrating on those areas, you kind of, in a sense, unlocking that health that's that's built within us. Um, and it, it really comes back to, I guess, this is the overriding point of, our ethos with the natural edge is that it really is a concentration on the basics and the fundamentals and not these fads that you see so much of. I think sleep is probably the classic example of this. You know, everyone is looking for those, you know, quick fixes or, you know, how should they fine tune their diet or this or that exercise in the gym. And most of the time, if you ask people, what are they doing to optimize their sleep? Kind of look at you like you're a bit mad um, and I think part of it is because it's not, you know, sexy cells and it's, it's far easier to sell, you know, some kind of juice cleanse or something like that and promise. Yeah, the new gadget or the yeah. new physical exercise yeah. you know, watch to go on your wrist. Yeah, exactly. Whereas telling someone to get a routine in place, you know, make sure they've turned off screens a couple of hours before bed, sleep in a pitch dark room, get all the electronic devices out you know, wake up with a with a sunlight alarm or an audio alarm that is gradually increasing so you're not getting jolted out of sleep. Really simple things, but sleep is the biggest performance enhancer that we have access to. It's, you know, it's absolutely bonkers. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've seen or aware of the book Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, yes. which, you know, I'd encourage anyone to read. It's It's so, so critical and it really forms the bedrock of, of everything else, you know, talk about health and resilience. You can, we, we've all, we've all done it and seen it. You have a bad night's sleep, you know, how short your temper is, how bad your focus is, how more susceptible you are to, to stress during the daily life and how less resilient you are to, I guess, simple things that when you're well rested and your nutrition and health is good, that don't affect you, which is, I guess, the wider point, something that, I definitely believe is that health and resilience go hand in hand. Um, they sort of feed, feed a, a former loop. You know, what makes us healthy also makes us resilient. And in turn, what makes us more resilient feeds into our health. 
And so if you don't get the basics right with your health, you're going to find it very hard to be resilient. Some really interesting philosophy, actually. Yeah, I know. I can see. I can, you know, I can see the absolute logic in what you're saying. Is you know, but surely if you're, but could it be counter the other way that perhaps if you're not living the healthiest of lifestyles and you're pushing and trying to challenge yourself, you're needing well far more effort in than perhaps is needed, but you're needing to show more resilience. Isn't there perhaps a counter argument to that? It depends. Well, resilience to me is, I guess. It's been able to rebound, you know, if you see a challenge occurs, whatever that challenge is, and you have, it's been able to rebound from that and not let it knock you off course. And so I'd always argue that the better physical and mental health you're in, you're going to be far more resilient to, to anything that happens, whether that is something physical, you know, simple you're bending over and tweaking your back because you haven't paid any attention to mobility or um, you know resistance training, even a basic form. So you're out of action for X number of weeks because you've done that. You know something stressful happens, a big project or whatever it is, and because you aren't rested, can't focus well or whatever it is, it's far. It feels far more strenuous. It's like you said, you have to exert far more effort to be yeah. able to get that done. So I do agree. I see what you're saying is in, in the fact you have to be resilient. Well, I suppose that then stress, you know, you taking that kind of playing devil's advocate and using that counter argument, I suppose that means you're putting far more stress on your body. And at some point there's going to be, a, you, you know, physically or mentally will break down because you can't sustain that, can you? Whereas if you're more nat- naturally healthy, you've got your mindset right, you're looking after your nutrition, you know, as you say, you're looking after your sleep, then you're not putting your body under so much stress when these times of, adversity come along i think what you're doing is giving yourself more capacity and you're giving it like you said there's always going to be a breaking point for everyone what you're doing is giving yourself more in the tank to you can basically go further than someone who hasn't got that baseline of good health Um, and it is both mentally and physically to be able to push through those challenges or or whatever it is I i think I think there's almost two sides for this because it, it does tie into what you've also what you've said there, the point that you've raised in the fact that I guess resilience to me, I guess you could say it's got two sides. It's one is is the side where you give yourself, you give yourself the best baseline possible to be able to withstand physical and mental pressures. But then there's also the side which kind of comes back to doing something whatever the path is whatever the challenge or whatever it is 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 how much that means to you kind of intrinsically or internally it's your i guess you know simon cynics your why what is it that's driving you because you can suffer a hell of a lot for something that you truly believe in it, it did just when you were just speaking there it kind of maybe think of the different guys you get on selection and it's funny enough i was talking this morning with a friend that I was in with about another guy and you do get degrees of so you get guys that go on selection that are you know very good with their nutrition and training and stuff and into the build-up and then you'll also get guys that you know really eat the worst foods don't a you know very ad hoc approach but they'll still get through to the end 
And yeah, you could say they might suffer a bit more, but they're still there because both those people have got that real true desire to, you know, mean so much to be there at the end. Yeah. And that really is the difference between, you know, when you start, I started selection with 220 people and you've got to bear in mind that all those people that turn up predominantly Royal Marines or from the Paras at the time I did it, most had done a tour of Afghan or two or three, you know, they've already gone through, they've already passed arduous military training courses. So everyone on that start line has the capacity to finish that course. But why is it that only there was 17 left on my course out of that 220? And it's roughly the same sort of 10% or less pass rate on each one. And it really does come down to what you are willing to suffer and endure to to get to the end, just how much that means to you and what you're willing to to give or sacrifice to get there. So I think with resilience, it's... It, there's definitely a side to it of whatever it is you're driving towards, how much does that mean to you and how much are you willing to to suffer through adverse, you know, adversity and challenge? Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I absolutely empathise with that. And I've seen that you've you put articles together, social media posts, and about the effectiveness of self-talk. And I suppose that's where that comes into play to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, completely. It's, um, you know, we all have those... Everyone has that inner voice and those those things that go on day to day. Yeah. And, it, you know, with everything, everything we do, and it's actually, I guess that's a kind of separate point that also brings into it, you know, the more that you can bring awareness to that self-talk and I guess it's asking a question. It's really being honest with yourself. It's being honest about who you are and and what means something to you and what it is you want to get out of get out of life or relationship or you know you could apply it to every different area of, of life because then i think having that awareness and being aware of that self talk you're far better able to to drive it we the mindset course that we have the guy that we got to do at tom foxley you know is a brilliant guy he uses a great analogy in that we all like to think we're the president in our heads dictating our actions when in actual fact, we're more like the press secretary making excuses and justifying what we do because we're all, whether we, you know, whether people think it or not, you're driven by your subconscious narrative. We all have a story formed about the world, which, you know, through our childhood, through our experiences, and that's how we navigate through the world based on that story. So the more you can understand what your story is, well, in fact, until you do that, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to make meaningful change or kind of get to where you want to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. So where, so where do the principles or our listeners start from in kind of enhancing that ability of perhaps understanding our story and being more effective in our self-talk? Is there just a few tips to get people on, the, on that journey? Yeah, the beginning is awareness, which is, I guess, is the kind of you, you can bring it as the seat seat of everything. Until you bring awareness to your actions, it's the same with health and fitness. I guess you know the same with with anything you do. Until you're aware and honest with yourself about what you're doing, then it's going to be very harder for you to to make any changes. So the best, well, the stuff that we use within the academy are very simple journaling exercises. And, you know, this is something, a lot of this stuff I've come to realize if, 
if you'd said to me a few years ago, you know, meditation or journaling, that stuff, I would have honestly written it off as a bit, you know, kind of hippie-ish or woo-woo or, you know, it's not, it's not really effective. But actually, when you come to understand um, sort of the psychology behind mindset and what drives us, and you can, you know, you can do these simple things. It doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to sit down there writing. I don't even know what examples to use, but it doesn't have to be a complex or difficult exercise to execute, although it can be difficult. We do find a lot of people struggle with it because I think mindset is one of those things where it's, it's almost harder than the physical side because you have to, people don't often like going inside themselves and asking questions because they often don't like the answers. But it's really important or a really important exercise to do. So, so just a simple journaling task of kind of journaling your, getting your thoughts out, letting your, the one that we do, we basically just stream subconscious. So you, you don't, doesn't matter if it's sentences, it could be complete gibberish and it often is. You're just you're literally writing down what comes into your head. It is surprising some of the stuff that comes up. And from that point, you can kind of start to see patterns or bring awareness to some of your behaviors and how you react to certain situations. And then you can start to address that. Really simple exercise. I think getting in tune, I think if I look back on my own journey and and even, you know, it ebbs and it flows, doesn't it? How, in my view, in my life, maybe not so much in yours, Simon, because you're very focused on it, but there's times when I feel physically and mentally fit and aware, but it's the t- from a mindset point of view, it's times that I'm in tune with my subconscious that I feel good. Yeah. But it, I, I, personally, I find that, you know, both physically and from a mindset perspective, not help at the moment with two broken kind of collarbones, but it, it, there's times when you're, you are really in tune with your subconscious and it, everything's feeling great but keeping that and maintaining that at a level so that it doesn't ebb and flow and feel look like a radio wave is the challenge for me I I think to be honest it's challenge you know we all life is always going to ebb and flow and the fact that we all go through I don't care who you are or you know who anyone is you're always going to have bad days I think that's the, the mistake that a lot of people make is thinking that you need to sort of have this always super positive almost like happy clappy way way too positive you know that you need to do that to get places but going too far that end of the spectrum can be just as detrimental in the fact that you sort of you're then not realistic about things you do what you're looking for is to almost i guess it's the, the point of something i found beneficial from meditation which again is something that i would have completely written off but just doing a simple i just use the waking up app 10 minutes and i just do it in the morning and I, I do find that it has it has a really positive effect it's, but it's almost it's almost like the gym the the um the benefits don't come where you're actually training it comes later on so it comes throughout the day and it, again it doesn't have to be enjoyable or easy sometimes those sessions are really hard but i still find um the and that helps you breed that consistency it? I, I think it's consistency that's important yeah it? i think what it does and the kind of point i was trying to get to in a long-winded way there was with that ebb and flow you're trying to get to a point um where yes you're having bad days and it's not you can accept that it's accepting that it's 
is acknowledging and being aware that you're having a bad day um, and things aren't going right, not being super hard on yourself and just being able to flexible with the, you know, okay, I'm not going to go and do everything I had planned because of, you know, this has come up or that's come up, but I can still do these small bits. I'll look for these small wins. You know, maybe I can't go for a gym session, but I'll go for a 10 minute walk. I'll do something really simple. I'll just look for a few small wins. I'm not going to be hard on myself. You know, I've, I've not eaten the food that I wanted to. I've had a bad day of eating what, you know, whatever that is, but it's avoiding that all or nothing attitude that will send you into a spiral, not being hard on yourself. And I guess, again, it comes back to awareness, just being aware of it, knowing it's happening, and then being able to um, look for the small wings that you can take to keep you going and move you forward. Great advice. Great advice. Interestingly, something you've said a couple of times is the old me or, you know, if 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 I'd have gone back a number of years, you know, Mm. I wouldn't have been so set on kind of meditation and self-talk and all of that. Do you look back now on your military career and your time in the special forces and think, you know, the benefits of what you have learned since being applied into that environment and what difference that would have made? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's generally changing anyway. There's there's definitely stuff um, and programs going in around mental health. It's obviously become, you know, off the back of Afghan, one of the good things to come out of it was much more awareness, you know, of the fact that it doesn't matter what you may appear to be, you know, big tough guys or whatever it is, you know, everyone is susceptible to to mental health problems. And it's really important to, I guess, to be open about that. So there's a lot more effort being put into prehab to, to offset the problems later on. The same physically as well. In a way, I, you know, the UK military is terrible for it. The states are a lot further ahead. We've we've been so old school for very long in our training methods. When I got down to pool in 2009, um, when I was doing the signals job, there's probably myself and like three or four other people in the gym wearing barefoot shoes and doing kind of CrossFit style functional in quote marks exercise. Everyone else was sort of classic still bodybuilding stuff. To the time when I left and the whole gym was basically like a CrossFit box and everyone was doing functional movements and, you know, into this kind of like, I guess, much better way to train for for the job that we're doing. And that's evolved even further. There's now full programs in place with guys getting tested, giving specific programs because they've started to realize that the amount of people getting injured and how much that costs overall for people being out of action. So it's putting these preventative measures in place. So I think, yes, it's definitely changed. And I think I definitely changed. It was a good thing. Like I said, it's a very small world and it's easy to get into a bubble, which I think we're all guilty of and not being open-minded to other things. And so, yeah, meditation back then, it would have been, just wouldn't have even looked into it, but turns out it's probably one of the best things I've started doing. Brilliant. Fantastic. How would you compare some of the challenges that you've had in your kind of business journey now, you know, being an entrepreneur, to the challenges that you faced in your sort of special forces career? I would say the biggest or one of the biggest challenges or differences, there's a a common theme and then there's a kind of difference in the way that the challenges are. The common theme, which again comes back to resilience, is in, in both things, 
So whether that's starting a business or you know, passing courses in the military, they're both very tough. But having once you know that that's the path, or you you know truly believe that's what you should be doing, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. It makes it so much easier to suffer bad times because you know you know that's the path you're on. Whether that is you're in the jungle with hardly any sleep, um, you know, completely physically worn down, and you've got another three and a half weeks to go of that, to moving back into your parents' house at 34 years old with your mate, who's your business partner, sharing a car that costs less than 400 quid and paying yourselves literally nothing. You know, both are incredibly yeah, those, those aren't normal circumstances in life, are yeah. they, that you, you plan for? Yeah. No, you know, and it is. It's kind of like stuff like that can easily take a massive hit to your ego. You know, with all your friends are kind of buying houses and getting married and stuff, you are literally living the true story of stepbrothers you know he's <laughs> living at home with no money back at the beginning of the, the career ladder and that, that's actually one of the the big challenges or the difference between the challenges you know stuff in the military the challenges were more acute and it's almost how as humans we're designed to deal with stress you know it's the whole fight or flight saber tooth tiger something happens you have to deal with it and then it's done and it's kind of like the military you know you have intense situations and then they're over and even selection although it's six months long you know it's six months you do it and you know at the end of it you're going to be successful or not if you take that over to i guess general life and especially starting a business, there's no guarantees. You know, you can start a business and maybe it'll be successful in a year, two years, five years. It might take 20 years. It might never work. You've got no guarantees. And so it's almost like this chronic stress. And it's the same, I guess, with daily life. It's a chronic stress of deadlines or financial worries, things like that, that I find take a far bigger toll unless you manage it than those acutely stressful situations. And so that's been really challenging with the business side is there is no guarantee, there is no known. It's not like do six months and if you know, you've know you put all your effort in, then it's definitely going to work. It doesn't happen like that. You know, We've been going now, if you include all the other business stuff that we had before, this will be five years right now since I left the military and we're just hitting the turning point with the natural edge where we can kind of say, yes, it is a, a working business. So it's been a really long journey to even get to a, a point now where we're only just beginning to, I guess, get to the point where we can grow. Yeah, and I suppose that's the case, isn't it? Business and life is a, is a journey. It's a rich tapestry of things and events, and you can be focused, but sometimes it's deviated, whereas you say military. But military life, there is sort of a target, there's a goal, there's something to aim at, and it's time-defined, generally. Yeah. So I could reflect on that. Would you say, clearly, in the military, there's more support around you as well compared to running a business? Yeah, massively. I mean, that is, I think that's a huge point for life and, I guess, being more resilient as well or, or helping or something that helps with, with that is your support network. The military is, you know, you're just with your mates, basically the, the entire time it's not doesn't feel like a job because you are essentially and that's probably one of the best things or 
And the biggest things that I miss is that environment where you're just turning up every, every day and you just, yeah, with with guys. With your peers, yeah, aren't you? you're with your peers, yeah. you're having a laugh and it's like a really social, tribal environment. I'm very lucky that, you know, I've got John that I'm doing the business with, so it does make it easier. But still, you know, we live in different cities. The coaches, we all work remotely. And it definitely, you have to, and I think this is the, you know, the stress or a thing that, a lot of people struggled with during COVID is being locked down away from friends, peers, even work colleagues. You know, we sometimes take for granted, I think, even if people say they're introverts, you're still out and about in an environment with others around. And when you take that away, it can be really detrimental to mental health. So I think support network and is massive. Yeah, I mean, it was it's, it's the passion for me behind it, you know, Evolve is that I've seen the benefit to me of being around like-minded people. And when you put like-minded people together, whatever you do in life, there's more chance of success. And therefore the principle behind Evolve is, you know, get people together with that like-minded attitude, get them to support each other, provide them with the sort of inspiration and insight and content and things like the podcast, then, you know, great things can can happen. But there's times in all of our journeys where we feel kind of isolated and lacking support and they're, they're the times i think in life that are the most dangerous for us all aren't they so yeah it's, it's funny you say that you've completely echoed what we see in the academy all the time the community aspect that we have a people having access to the coaches so they're not left to go through programs on their own but also having people who are on the same journey that they can interact with on the facebook group has been massive we see comments yeah. about that all the time yeah, definitely. You're not alone kind of philosophy. Yeah, exactly. I'd be, be interested to hear your opinion on, on sort of social media because obviously it's a big part in what you do and how you promote and tell your story. And you've talked about, you know, Instagram being integral into you getting the natural edge off the ground. But, you know, social media, particularly in terms of body image, he- healthy lifestyle, perceptions of success... And that motivation to improve oneself can have a very negative and a very positive effect, perhaps particularly on the younger generations. And what's your view of social media and and that impact that it can have? Yeah, I mean, it's massive. Honestly, I'm glad that I grew up without social media. Um, And we all. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's so much. I feel sorry for kids now because you can't escape. You know, it's there. You're there. You're under scrutiny almost constantly. And have that pressure whereas at least when you left school you could go home and you were kind of free of that um if you were struggling i, th- I think like you said it, it's a double-edged sword there's brilliant sides to it and you know we couldn't have grown the natural edge to what it is now without it and i found brilliant resources and people that i followed and recommendations for books or whatever it is through um social media but on the flip side there's also so much rubbish i mean it's funny you should say this we've just we're just doing a challenge within our academy at the moment just a kind of weekly challenge to see if we can all get our screen time down and particularly on our phones just reduce the social media within that and and i think it comes it that's when it kind of comes to taking a bit of ownership and choosing you know being selective about the accounts that you follow and how much time you spend on that and not living your life, you know, vicariously through other people rather than yourself. You know, 
you see it when you go out into bars. It's people out in a bar, but then they're scrolling through dating apps while they're in a bar. It's like, just go and talk to people. <laughs> go live the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the moment for what it is. Yeah, yeah. which, I mean, it's a stupid one, but you think about how much better was it when we just had disposable cameras or cameras where you couldn't see it when you went on a night out or whatever it was. So you didn't spend 10 minutes with people trying to get the perfect photo. You just snapped it and carried on with your light. Um, yeah. and it turned that, out to be a crap photo yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Didn't care laughs> who cared anyway. at that yeah. point <laughs> so I think it is yeah there's definitely two sides of the coin and I think taking ownership of of how much you're using it I don't I only use Facebook on my desktop I've got a feed blocker so I can't see the feed and I basically just use it for either our own stuff TNE or a couple of other um, business groups I'm in and again Instagram I follow a few accounts or friends' accounts. I will use it to post some stuff and I will occasionally go on and, and look through, but I massively try and limit the amount of actual time I spend on it. Brilliant. So what's your ultimate goal with the natural edge? You know, what does good look like for you and John in the years ahead? Dominate the world, Warren. Dominate the world. <laughs> Dominate the world. Domination. Um, you want that <laughs> 007 moment with the, yeah. the cat on your lap. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a big ruse to create a massive cult. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 got, I guess twofold is one is the whole reason we started it is is to, to give ourselves that freedom while, while doing it. But to be honest, the more, although we did, you know, we started business because we wanted to work in a way that suited us and, you know, have that, that lifestyle rather than being dictated is as we've gone down the journey, seeing, I know you can see it in some of the testimonials that we we've got on our page. Now it's got powerful stuff to watch the effect, the change that it's had in people's lives. And that for us now has become, you know, the big mission is to affect as much change as possible and just move away. It's, it's so frustrating now when you see these, you know, faddy kind of stuff that have been marketed to people and people are paying money for that don't work when, mm. you know, there's some really simple things that, that everyone can do. It, just because it's simple, it doesn't make it easy. And that's the reason, you know, everything we've got in the academy I could give you five books and a load of resources for you to go out, read that stuff and start putting it into place yourself. You know, the stuff that we're doing is not, there's no magic or it's not rocket science. It's, it, it truly is the fundamentals. But for a lot of people, they just need that roadmap or it just to be, to be broken down into simple, actionable steps and to be around a community that can support them to get there you know our, our, our ideal goal is for people to come and learn the stuff and then be able to take it away and do it you know people shouldn't join us and stay with us for for years and years they should hopefully if we're doing our job right come in get that beginning get that start build the momentum get the knowledge um, and the habits in place and then have that for the rest of their lives so our goal is just just to grow as much as possible so we can help more people really brilliant and your personal definition of success? My personal is probably doing is doing something you love every day. The, the, going back to the military and the same with T&E, I would have done the military for free, but happily. I love that job and it, it didn't, it doesn't, I think doing, if you can do something that you love, 
you know, it really does. That's the seat of, to me, happiness is to, is to being around people that you care about and get enjoyment from and bring you happiness and doing something that you believe in and, you know, passionate about. And, it, and again, you get a sense of fulfillment from. I've definitely, you know, moved away or come to the realisation it doesn't stuff just doesn't bring you happiness it's you know experiences and the people that you're with and the things that you're doing that is is what brings or brings true joy so if you if you can tick those things which again you know it's easy to say it's hard to achieve all of those things but if you can i think you know that is success brilliant great philosophy on life there simon so as we draw the kind of podcast to a close, if people want to find out more about the Academy, how they get involved in the Academy, more about you, Simon, where can they go? So they can go to thenaturaledgeacademy.com and they can find out all about that there. Or on Instagram, it's The Natural Edge, same on Facebook. Um, or you can drop me an email at simon at thenaturaledge.com. And, you know, we always love hearing from people. And if if anyone does need help on anything and they do just want to email it, you know, more comfortable doing that, then I've always got time and we'll always reply. So yeah, feel free to drop a message. Brilliant, Simon. Thank you for that. And it's been great to have your guest on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Simon's straightforward approach to mental and physical wellness, that development of resilience and a healthy mindset, I feel really echoes with some of Revolve's core principles. Those important elements of focus, passion and belief also featured heavily in the conversation. And I love what Simon said about the importance of a support network and bringing like-minded people together. Because again, this is something that both Evolve and I are really passionate about. To find out more about Evolve, then please do visit evolvemembers.com where you can become a supporter and also find great insightful content as well as information on our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, past and future webinars and events. I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast and if you haven't yet, then please do click that subscribe button so you can get your weekly Evolve podcast delivered automatically to your device. We're constantly striving to bring you guests who provide new insights and value to you, whether it's to do with your work life or personal well-being. Thank you for listening and from all the Evolve team, we wish you a great week and hope to see you again soon.